0: Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Murder in Mesa, Shmuli's Search for a Soldier, KGB Spooks, and Night Stalker Tipster. Hi, I'm your co-host, Crystal.
1: Oh, and I'm your other co-host, Robert.
0: Um, And this, and this is... Uh, uh,
1: re- uh, Jinx! Uh, <laughs> what
0: are we doing here, Robert?
1: Uh, we're recording a podcast, right? It seems like we it's been so long since we've recorded one. Uh, this is Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast.
0: Yeah, it, it has been a minute. That's why we're a little kerfuffled. Also, I just woke up from a little after-school nap right before we jumped on pod so uh excuse me for that so um hey robbie i just wanted to take a minute at the beginning of the show to thank everyone who has uh been work i think this is going to be episode 20 when we release it including if we include our uh our hidden first episode that was out and then we removed yes we have a secret episode And also if you include the Halloween minisode, I think this puts us at, this will be number 20. So there's some of you who have been with us since the beginning. And I just wanted to thank you for your support. Um, I think sometimes when I've had a really rough day at work and I feel like I can't do anything right in my life. And then I see the kind words that you guys have to say on our Twitter and and in the iTunes reviews. And and all the positive feedback we get, it, it really just makes me want to keep doing this thing and also it's just fun to do so even if no one listened i think robbie and i would still be doing this but we're we're happy that you're here so happy 20th episode to us
1: (laughs) wow those are moving words Uh, and i i i i feel similar sentiments i mean this podcast makes me want to keep paying my power and internet bills yeah otherwise i I might i might otherwise be content to just sort of let go
0: yeah Uh, um same also
1: yeah uh (laughs) (laughs) Um, also i'd like to think thank everyone who's been participating in like leaving us five star reviews uh i'm actually kind of shocked apparently people really want that hollywood video coupon (laughs) um
0: yeah about our little contest so we can't see your name unless you write like a sentence so if you leave us five stars thank you so much that gets our our ratings up and we appreciate that but if you're a part of the contest you have to write a thing so we can see your name so we know who will win the contest Um, the other thing I wanted to say, um, we're recording this, uh, in the last week of April and it has been a banner week for, um, true crime fans, but also just anyone who possesses a strong desire for justice to be served. Um, so if anybody's been listening to the news, uh, yesterday, um, we... We like I had anything to do with it. I didn't. The Sacramento Police Department uh, arrested uh, a man who they believe to have been um, the original Night Stalker, who was committing uh, robberies, rapes, and uh, eventually murders in the Sacramento. Well, he was all he was all over California. So, and he was terrorizing um my my former neighborhood in sacramento even though i didn't live there at the time um and he was a pretty scary dude and they just arrested somebody uh and it's a man in his 70s i don't want to talk about his name because i don't really care who it is but uh they used dna to find him it was some pretty excellent police work by sacramento police but i also want to talk about um a book that came out recently. was called "I'll Be Gone in the Dark." I haven't read it, but it was um, posthumously published by uh, by uh, Michelle McNamara's uh, husband with the uh, with the assistance of some journalists. And she had de- devoted right up until she died um, so much time digging into this case and keeping it keeping it in the attention of the public and and the police. So I think a lot of credit is due there for keeping this cold case going so I I, that was just totally totally crazy that that happened this week Um, unsolved mysteries actually covers the original night stalker uh, or if you want to call him the east area rapist that was another moniker he got michelle mcnamara referred to him and coined the term golden state killer because he was all over california Uh, unsolved mysteries does do a segment on him in a 2001 broadcast which unfortunately because of the rules of our show we will not be discussing so that's why i wanted to talk about it now
1: is it a farina it's era a
0: farina era yes farina oh. i mean like fuck the farina episodes may he rest in peace <laughs> so i wanted to talk about that and then today this afternoon um uh bill cosby uh received a guilty verdict and um he hasn't been sentenced yet, but again, if you're somebody who's interested in justice being served, um, even if it's 40 years after the fact, um, I, think, I think Martin Luther King said something to the effect of uh, the universe bends on a curve towards truth and justice or something like that. And I think this week we, we, saw, we saw it going that way. So it's been a, it's been a very exciting week.
1: Did you ever see Ghost Dad... I, I don't know. I it's been a while, uh, but yeah, it's, it seems like Phil Cosby made a lot of truly awful films in the eighties.
0: Well, um, so. he's um, uh, so he yeah so he's a truly he's, he's, awful sack of shits
1: <laughs> about that. Apparently, yeah.
0: Apparently, yes. Well, again, it's isn't it's just so crazy that this week two things dropped. Um, from crimes that were committed so long ago and uh, it's it's really wonderful to see that eventually the law will catch up with you and so just just uh, all the you rumpers out there keep that in mind
1: justice will be served justice
0: will be served eventually <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. by by the yeah, your your meal comes out long after you've left the restaurant
0: yes but they got it out of the kitchen and that's what counts. <laughs> um, so anyway, so we, now we can do our podcast. Our, yes. our usual style. I just I wanted to uh, hit hit those three points before we got into it. Um, and You hit all of them. and And also this will be incredibly current because we're recording this actually just a few days before the episode will drop. So that's also not something we do
1: right right they they won't be (laughs) they won't be greeted by this news two months from now no
0: it'll be a couple of days after it happens we're going to talk about um season two of unsolved mysteries episode nine i've not been very good about we've not been very good about Talking about which episode we're actually. I don't
1: don't think we've ever mentioned what (laughs) episode. I think we did it it
0: once, and we were like, "Yeah, good idea. We should keep doing that." (laughs) Didn't so.
1: That uh, that does sound like the kind of thing we would do.
0: Uh. So so let's do it.
1: All right. Um, Okay, so we're starting out with a what was it? A murder segment. Um, I th- I'm pretty sure it was murder.
0: Yeah. No, uh, it, w- I think it's, oh. a, it's wanted
1: wanted. Yes. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They don't have a murder segment. It's wanted. Um, Oh man, I'm so cobwebbed, uh, when it comes to unsolved mysteries, cause it feels like it's been forever. Um, our, our, our particular wanted segment starts out in the town of bitter Springs. Uh, was that bitter Springs, Arizona?
0: That, yes.
1: And I don't know if you noticed. I kind of assumed you would because I, I understand oh, this is one of your pet I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I totally know that you know what I'm talking about.
0: I noticed so hard.
1: <laughs> do do we wanna spend five minutes talking about stereotypical instrumental music? Yeah
0: we do because here here's the thing, man. Um, the, the, the beginning, Bitter Springs, Arizona is part of, um, I, I want to say part of the, and I, I'm so sorry if I get this wrong, but I want to say it's part of the Hopi Reservation. I, uh,
1: anything's possible.
0: Um, I think it was part of the Hopi Reservation. Anyway, it's, um, and now in order to criticize Unsolved Mystery, and now I've, if I've incorrectly,
1: not N- identified
0: uh, the Hopi and Navajo reservations that I recall are very close to each other so it's in that part of the world
2: oh,
1: okay
0: but at any rate um the segment opens up with a woman uh with dark hair um on the reservation and they are playing some goddamn pan flute music <laughs> uh it, it it is it is to me as stupid as playing the the generic Asian spa music in mm-hmm. previous episodes when we've been um, you know talking about Viet- Vietnam or China or something like that. Um,
2: yeah. I mean,
0: it's like it's like it is similarly spa music, but it's like bullshit taos new mexico over expensive spa run by a white lady with like too much (laughs) turquoise on is like that kind of pan flute music so just like put that in your mind and so that's where the segment opens up
1: and we pan in on a very compact compact reservation like uh these how all these houses are within like a couple blocks of each other Mm -hmm. in the middle of nowhere
2: yeah, I, I mean, well, it's, that's where oh, they
1: put them, right? Right? Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 almost as uh, desolate looking as Dayton, Nevada, is, but but you know, not quite. Oh,
0: Robbie, don't get down on Dayton. Y'all got that pit mine, yeah,
1: the pit mine. That's right. <laughs> at least
0: that's something to look at.
1: It is. It is. I. I uh, wait, are you talking about the big hole behind ma- the main town or the hill that they're slowly tearing away? No, I'm
0: talking about the big hole behind the main town.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a big hole. You know, it's funny. I don't even think about that pit when I drive through the main part of town. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, as far as, like, from my field of view, if any anything behind the post office just doesn't exist.
2: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so there's there's your heaping of a uh, shitty small town talk. <laughs> but yes, we, we as we as we close in on Bitter Springs, we have a situation where a woman's just sort of wandering around, uh, engaged in a series of transaction propositions. Uh, she was, what, like, looking for people to give her hair... She was offering to give people haircuts, right? Yeah. Or looking for... S- someone to get a haircut from
0: it was real weird she was trying to like i think trade hair dress she was trying to sell her truck as we find out later i don't know if they mentioned it in the very beginning but that was her story is that she was and also when they're interviewing the residents of bitter springs they're saying that this woman was very off and she was go. she went by the name sandy and sandy was like in town for some period of time. And she would just like wander into people's houses.
1: Yes. Well, and that's the strange thing. Like this bitter Springs community, this is just like a couple of blocks. Literally. That's all it is. Like everyone knows each other. So it's very strange that she just wanders into this community, starts wandering into people's houses. Like it's not only is that behavior conspicuous, but in this situation, it's highly conspicuous. Uh, I have here. I put in parentheses something about the movie Psycho. Um, I guess that I I must have been thinking about that because she's on the run and she's trying to like she's trying to sell the truck, and then like when she can't sell the truck, she immediately then asks the same person if there's a place in a nearby town where she can have the trunk truck painted. Yeah, which is so highly suspicious. So highly suspicious. But as it turns out, this woman is not actually named Sandy. It's a woman named Maria Armstrong who may or may not have uh, killed a guy named Ron Argenti. Mm -hmm. Was that it? Yeah. Yes. Um, They were people who knew each other back in New Jersey of all places and apparently Ron was just really smitten with Maria. Like, just absolutely, she was the one, right? I mean, that that's how they play it off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I have in my notes, in quotation marks, save a hoe, which is like something that, I, I don't know if... Is that
0: a bad I mean, na- Navajo pun?
1: Oh, God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank God! He, thank God! He made that joke now instead of right after. Uh, no, uh, it's actually a reference to. I don't know. I mean, you're you're much more in tune with stuff that appears on Urban Dictionary than I am. Mm,
0: this is but, true. I spent a fair amount of time this afternoon looking up shit on Urban Dictionary. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Holy shit! Um, yeah, it's funny because like every conversation we have, I have to refer to urban dictionary at some mm-hmm. point to understand what the hell you're talking about
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, but uh, what one thing I've noticed is more than once I've been in a company of guys and when talking about a situation where a guy is dating someone who is just not good for him at all mm-hmm. uh, they, and you know he's like so blindly in love that you know he, you know they, they refer to it as save a hoe uh and that i guess if you watch this segment you can pretty much see why i that would be something that occurs Mm -hmm. to my mind because maria had some issues (laughs) um
0: no like documented mental mental illness issues yeah for sure like
1: yeah literal um
0: i i hate to interrupt you uh but not really i'm going to do it anyway uh two things we okay. we blew past one of the Bitter Springs residents who was interviewed. Her name was Priscilla Yazzie. This is a cool name I wanted to talk about. Just, I'm jealous well,
1: of her name. God, who, who who was the other guy later on that she was trying to sell her uh, truck to? His his first name was Elvis. Elvis. That's a, that's a weird
0: coincidence that yeah. there's somebody named Elvis and Priscilla in the tiny town of Bitter Springs.
1: <gasps> oh, my God! also I, yeah
0: Robbie I would find your Savaho reference incredibly offensive oh but but because it seems so foreign to your lexicon I find that endearing so ah. yes but there is there is a uh, song by e40 from the 90s called Captain Savaho and
1: uh, from my perspective you just uttered a series of unrelated words and numbers
0: <laughs> i did I did, didn't i you know and that's when yeah. you realize that you're old and you should probably stop trying
1: i think i first realized that i was owed and i should just stop trying when like i rece- received socks and underwear for christmas mm-hmm. and i was legitimately excited,
0: excited. yeah oh yeah yeah that's that's full i mean is that old or is that just adulthood where you're like i don't want to buy this stuff for myself i i I
1: guess i guess you have a point there like that's that maybe that is more just adulthood and just you know being practical and whatnot and not so much just being totally unhip we mentioned she has serious mental issues um yeah, a variety of I, stuff I, I, that I landed her was, into a hospital. Yeah,
0: I believe she was a diagnosed schizophrenic. Or she was a yeah. woman who had schizophrenia,
1: rather. Yes. Um, Ron, on the other hand, I guess was a fairly successful, relatively successful person. He joined the National Guard after he graduated. Uh, he moved to Mesa for whatever reason. And apparently he thought that like he could help her with her problems... And mm-hmm. so she moved out the Mesa with them, mm-hmm. and boy, are we greeted with some fascinating reenactment uh, depictions. Um, I think my favorite is like when she's going in uh, in this like crazy rant rage, mm-hmm. and he's sit seated on the couch um, with a magazine, pretending to be interested in the magazine like you do when you're in an uncomfortable situation and you (laughs) want to pretend that you don't, you don't observe the clearly awkward social situation going on right in front of you. Uh, and I, the fact that he's trying this on his girlfriend, who's the only person uh, other than him in the room Mm -hmm. is to me was just hilarious.
0: Um, yeah, uh, wasn't he, I'm remembering him in the segment wearing some kind of ridiculous tank top as well.
1: Yeah, like, definitely the, the, um, in the reenactment, they, they make him pretty buff.
0: No, he's, oh yeah, he's real beefy. I'm, yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, I totally would legitimately, if faced with this person, I would just assume he would be able to kick my ass.
0: Um, yeah, but you know what? Um, I think you know the interview with sisters too, and just how he deals with Maria. He actually seems like a a really like gentle, patient person. You know,
1: right, right. I don't exact. think he's
0: kicking a lot of ass. I think it's just all it's just all sh- sh- beef show. You know.
1: Well, clearly it must have been because he ends up getting murdered. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Apparently, what, what was the story? His, um, his uh, the land, not the landlord, the whoever manages an apartment complex, mm-hmm. the, the the apartment master um, enters the room along with a repair guy or something, and at first they they enter the living room. And there's this mass on the couch with like a blanket sort of over yeah, it. Yeah, there's or...
0: like all these shirts and uh, cushions and Yeah. Um it, it's it's real it's real
2: nuts.
1: Yeah. I mean it, it it's it's kind of like the, the disguise job, uh, the hiding the body job that like a crazy person would do. Right. Uh so at first he's not visible but then when the repairman turns around and begins leaving the room he spots uh Ron's body. Yeah. I can't re- remember what 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 exactly was the the cause of death? Was it like a blow to the head? Yeah,
0: or? I think it I think um whoever it was caught him when he was asleep and mm-hmm. and and yeah, there's a I'm I'm remembering there was a like a small sledgehammer or like a, like a hammer you would use to like drive in stakes.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Um,
0: Like if you went camping or something. Um, Or
1: was setting up a tent at a civil war reenact.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, you know, that was the thing about Mr. Argenti who's real hard into civil war reenacting.
1: (laughs) And so after, ron's body is discovered we jump back to Bitter Springs. we see you know more of uh maria's bizarre attempts to conduct business transactions in this community and then apparently the highway patrol got called because she was found she as we mentioned she was just found in someone's house and this is probably the second best part of this segment is this reenactment <laughs> yeah, it's of, the high, <laughs> of the highway patrolman entering the house and the actress playing maria ducking down behind the bed clearly having been seen yeah and i love how the highway patrolman basically is like look i can see you yeah uh, yeah and they proceed to have this interaction outside on the street where the highway patrolman, he's trying to figure out who the stranger is just wandering around uh, Bitter Springs. And I don't know, frankly, I don't know. Do you watch Trailer Park Boys? I don't know about you, but doesn't the highway patrolman remind you a little bit of Bubbles?
0: This is a good cart, even though there's no fucking wheels on it. I got wheels at home that'll fit right on it.
1: in terms of his physical
0: (laughs) appearance (laughs) no but that's funny
1: okay Okay, good um and i guess he doesn't really obviously he doesn't realize that she's someone who's committed a murder so she goes on her way hitchhiking uh, uh when she's last seen i have some sort of question here why face blotted out question mark was was there anyone whose face was blotted out in this segment um
0: oh well at the at the end yeah but we haven't gotten there yet
1: okay okay yeah so that's that's the strength that's the story of uh maria and ron
0: yeah um I i feel like you know our closing shot of this segment is uh the (laughs) reenactress who's playing Maria or Sandy, um, they have her hitchhiking down some lonely Arizona highway. And, uh, that's, that's what they, uh, they leave it on. And this whole time that she's been in Bitter Springs though, she's wearing what I would call like festival wear. (laughs) She looks like she's going to Coachella. She's wearing like, fringed white boots um white jeans like a baseball jacket and like a white tank top
1: well i imagine festival wear must be a thing but if it is i don't know what it is (laughs) um i keep in mind i'm going to my first rock concert in august
0: your first ever yeah oh my god robbie where are you going who are you gonna go see
1: Uh, I'm going down to Sacramento and Howard, yeah, Howard and I are going to go see the Smashing Pumpkins.
0: Oh, good for you. Yes. Oh, what a great, what a great first show. I hope, I hope they don't suck.
1: Uh, yeah, I do as well.
0: (laughs) That's, that's incredible. Um, so, uh, do we get an update on this segment?
1: We did. I didn't write down the details of the update though, but they caught her, right? Yeah. That was basically um, it. She served. 13 years
0: yeah so there was a viewer in in memphis tennessee that recognized her from the photos her actual photos that they showed during the segment yeah and so i think the reason you wrote down face blurred out because when they show the courtroom of Mm -hmm. her being being sentenced yeah
1: that's right for some
0: reason her face is blurred out but in the segment we see a picture of her so we know what she looks like. I'm that, and she's not a minor. So I'm very confused <laughs> as to what was. I have no idea. I have no idea what was going on there. Unsolved mysteries.
1: Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense.
0: Well, she served 15 years, and she's since been released. So, and yep. she, Oh, and by the way, um, it was she who killed her boyfriend. <laughs> if that, right. if you didn't put right. that together,
1: uh, yeah, because we
0: didn't mention it.
2: So well.
1: Yeah, well, the th- you know the thing about this segment was it was kind of weird. I don't like they don't really have a situation where that they're talking with the detectives and the you know a lot of the other wanted things. The detectives are like, oh, we put this together and that together, and we determined that this person was the killer. It was kind of like you know they showed up to the crime scene and then we get the like see, we're just sort of left our own. Uh, devices to determine that she you know she killed him.
0: Yeah. Um it, it's interesting though because of what you said that the way that it's depicted was that Ron or Robert Mr. Argenti uh, yes. was, a, was a really big dude and at least Maria in in the enactment is uh, a a Maria enactment <laughs>
1: <laughs> the maria
0: um, that's it for me i'm going uh good night <laughs> yeah maria enactment um she's a very t- petite woman so uh it's i uh, but you know we we get the tale from from mr argenti's sisters that she would have violent outbursts and that's much as in the reenactment and so um you know here's the thing domestic violence you know partner abuse goes both ways you guys yeah so even you have this big dude who's capable of defending himself you know he doesn't want to hit his tiny little girlfriend to defend himself even though she's like assaulting him it's real it's real shit and it ended up with him being dead so don't say it doesn't happen and don't shame men who talk about it
1: i i guess i guess that's the lesson from from this uh segment so did you like this reenactment
0: um I liked her outfit a lot, <laughs> but it, yeah, it was, it was a bummer, but I, I think it did a, an important job of, of, you know, illustrating what I just mentioned that, you know?
1: Okay. Um, I, I just really like the, I, I, I love that, that image of him just sitting on the couch. Yeah. She's ranting and raving, mm-hmm. trying to look like he's reading this magazine. Uh, one of the best parts of of, of, of the whole episode. Uh, so it, you know, it was a it was it was an interesting enough wanted segment for me that sometimes I kind of zone out. But this mm-hmm. this, this one this one had enough sort of oddball stuff that keep to keep me going. all right all right well that's enough you that want to go to yeah m- let's go
0: reenactment
1: yeah 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 enough enough reenactment let's go to a, a a lot cheerier topic
0: yeah let's talk about the holocaust
1: <laughs> God.
0: um uh. so this is a lost love segment uh and it features uh, a man named steve ross um, mm-hmm. Steve Ross is a, a, a middle-aged man at the time of this uh, filming. Uh, he has a very um, distinct accent, though, and we find out that he was uh, he was born Shmuley Rosen Rosenthal um, to a, uh, a Jewish family in Poland, um, and when his family had to flee Poland. They had they had many children, but Shmuley was was one of the youngest. So they, they hid him out with a Catholic family in a in a small town, uh, by where he grew up. And so hoping hoping that he would be hidden within this Catholic family, that perhaps he would he would make it um, out of what the uh, Nazis were doing in Poland. Um, unfortunately, uh, he only made it a year before Nazis uh, snatched him up from the Catholic family. And they, uh, they put him in a concentration camp. So uh, Shmuley, uh from the ages of 9 to uh, 14, was moved around to different camps. Um, you know, the horrors that he describes uh, are unimaginable. And I don't really want to get into it. But uh, he, uh, sur- he survived... Uh, pretty incredible things um as a side note though he was reunited at one of the camps uh, i think the last camp he was in um with one of his older brothers so i mean that's a little little silver lining in an otherwise horrible situation um of course in april 1945 the concentration camps were liberated by american soldiers schmuley describes himself at the time of the liberation as 99 percent dead um you know it's i feel like unsolved mysteries has to tread as they should very lightly with these types of reenactments of course this isn't our first world war ii reenactment um right it, i i believe it's the first time concentration camps come up but um you know they they mentioned that when Shmuley was leaving the camps he was only 60 pounds and he was 14 years old and so you have to you can't reenact that. You can't find no. a healthy American teenage boy to reenact this, and and how, ho- how horrible it must have been. So,
1: um, you know, the, the the kid they got to reenact it, he mm-hmm. kind of looks like, uh, like the quintessential Holocaust kit movie kid. I I don't know. Is that <laughs>
0: is is that a trope?
1: I I, I guess not because i mean it, uh, i
0: mean it could it could be i mean we I, I don't know he kind of reminded me of uh christian bale in um empire of the sun
1: oh um, man yeah kind of going
0: have that vibe
1: um well yeah but you're you're right they you know they're the reenactment aspect of this segment was yeah. actually there wasn't very much of it because no, it was it was a lot of world war ii footage and i, yeah. I understand the reason for that it's a very practical reason because you with something as serious and, and horrific as, as the Holocaust, you don't want to just bog it down with a lot of silly um, uh, reenactment stuff, which was already a danger. Because I felt like the scene where the his parents are leaving him with the Polish family,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's like, you know, if if you're watching that without a context, like on the with mute on or without context as to what's happening, mm-hmm. it just kind of like. To me, I have notes that say "new mom, new dad, new goat." So yeah, we were talking about the the heaviness of the reenactments. Yes. And I I felt like, and as you were saying, you can't really recreate, uh, the, the, the recreate it with absolute accuracy and the, these sort of things. But I have to say, the, the reenactment they have of uh of him and the American soldier did bring a tear to my eye.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm probably going to cry talking about it. Like this is such, uh, um, the way, I mean, Sh- shmooly in describing the, just this. So, uh, so he comes across the soldier as him and his older brother are leaving the camps, um, on the road to, I, I guess, whatever town they could. Um, this is still in Poland. They come across the soldier and, you know, Schmoolie describes having, you know, he has lice, he's emaciated, um, you know, everything wrong with him. And this soldier jumps down from, in the reenactment. He jumps down from this truck. He gives Shmuley what he was eating um, and is very kind to him, puts his arm around him. I mean, if you can, if you can imagine, like, your ent- entire adolescence just... Uh, being so deprived of any sort of kindness or gentleness. And, um, it was, it was probably such a small thing for the soldier. And it, you know, Shmuley never forgot it. And at the time, the soldier gave him a small American flag and Shmuley describes using it as like a, what did he use it as?
1: Oh, Oh uh, God. Uh, I I wrote down American flag, but I didn't write down the term he used. Yeah, he used freedom, something. He
0: he used he was using it as like a handkerchief or something because he had never seen an American flag before.
1: Oh, that's right. That's right. He
0: didn't he He, didn't know what it was.
1: Well, he used it as a handkerchief, and then later he learned uh, that was an American flag, and I think he said that like to him, it you know for him it was the the symbol of freedom.
0: Yeah, and so. So uh, Shmuley um, ends up through going around the house in Europe and and makes it to the United States. Um, I think he becomes a uh, he becomes he becomes a psychologist. He gets married, has children. His older brother was also able to immigrate with him, and so he's um, pleading with unsolved mysteries viewers if they could help him find that soldier. Unfortunately with this segment we don't get a filmed reunion the way that we did with the foster parents in the last episode or um or with the you know the family reunion with Locust Grove. But incredibly there is a tacked on update, just our little white text that we get that finally in two thousand twelve. Two thousand twelve, okay? This is fifteen years ago. Uh, Steve or Schmooley finally got to thank the soldiers. So how incredible is it that the soldier who was alive during World War II and Shmuley who had to be, you know, a man in his 70s or 80s in 2012 uh, and they were finally able to meet?
1: Incredible. Um, um, so, Crystal, yes. I don't know if I should bring this up now okay. or yes. after... Uh, I believe the situation was is that he didn't actually get to meet the soldier himself because he had passed away, but he met the soldier's uh, da- uh, family and, and daughter.
0: Oh, well, that probably makes more sense.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I, I got that. Uh, that would be, that would be extra- too incredible. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Like uh, the, the soldier lasted till 2012. I mean, Wow. Um, well, though though there are, there are some of the World War II generation left, my my dad is still alive.
0: Oh yes, it's fine. I may or may not be watching this episode on silent. Yes, he finally got to thank the family of the soldier
1: <laughs> in 2012.
0: <laughs> so sorry, everyone. <laughs> I'll just edit that out. Um.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, do you want do you want to say a thing, where you just say, and he got to meet the soldier's family, and then we'll just use that as the yeah, actual. So yeah the thing is is like like you say like as an adolescent he experienced just like a complete absence any sort of warmth through humanity so just like the basic human decency of this soldier like giving him something to eat and you know trying to like comfort him Mm
2: -hmm.
1: i mean that's for that to have such a Huge thing, uh, impact in his life really speaks as to w- how dire mm-hmm. everything was before that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you know, I, I keep thinking like, so not to go on a tangent, mm-hmm. but I got in this big argument with someone on social media because uh, they were saying that like the United States was just as bad as Nazi Germany during World War II. And, you know, while the United States has plenty of things, has committed a, plenty of things that, you know, uh, we should be ashamed of, mm-hmm. I think we can we can pretty much say yeah, the United I'm, States...
0: I'm going to say, yeah, World War II pretty cut and dry situation there.
1: You know, as I was getting ever more heated and, and as I pounded the keyboard at, with this person, I just yeah. kept thinking about, like, <laughs> this... <laughs> This uh, I remember once watching a making of of Band of Brothers or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe Steven Spielberg was executive producer on that. He
0: was. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And like there was this, um, I can't remember if it was a thing for an advertisement for Band of Brothers or what, but like he gives, he he expresses his most profound, profound, like, gratitude for all the soldiers who fought in World War II who stopped the Nazis. Yeah, that was something that just kept coming back to my mind when I watched this segment.
0: Um, yeah, well, um, I, I uh, boy, this isn't going to be a segment full of laughs or zany drops. I'll tell you that right now.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll
0: just throw the Austin Powers theme music in at the end here. Uh, no. I read uh, some passing headline or something that uh, most americans are starting to forget um what the holocaust was and yeah. uh, and 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 i you know i think with a resurgence of sort of either clownishly or seriously uh taking up uh neo-nazism um you know i wasn't alive during world war ii um obviously and my grandparents were just teenagers when it ended but um i a family friend um had an uncle uh who had survived one of the concentration camps and he i met him and he had the tattoo on his arm and he um he also had always, since he got out of uh, the camps and moved to America, he always kept his uh, head shaved um, in order wow. to remember uh, what it was like then, because they, you know, when they put you in the camps, they shaved off all your hair, male or female. I mean, it was just so dehumanizing. Yeah. And so in order to remember that, and, um, you know, I don't know if it's a, it's a cultural failing or failing of school systems and i don't really want to go on a whole rant here but i i I think the having those reminders that this happened and it was evil and terrible um we we need to (laughs) maybe we need to relearn that again i don't know so um basically
1: nazis suck
0: nazis suck
1: I mean, I know we we tend to we, our, our official policy is we don't talk about politics on on uh, reenacted and unsolved mysteries podcast. Yeah. But I think we can all pretty much universally yes. agree. I Nazis think that is. Suck.
0: Yes, absolutely. That is one stance this podcast will take.
1: All right, so after World War II was the Cold War, which <laughs> leads us right This, is, this in is
0: such a more fun war. Yes,
1: <laughs> yes. It's yes, so this, much
0: more fun. <laughs> this,
1: whole seg- this whole segment was le- uh, far less depressing. Yeah. Um, uh, this it starts us off in the hotel room. Uh, mm-hmm. Am I recalling that correctly? Yep. Where we, we find the body allegedly a suicide of one ralph sigler a u.s army intelligence officer but was it suicide was it hmm Mm. hmm yes so uh remind me did you want to take the lead on this one
0: uh no this is this is all you man
1: oh really i thought you wanted to do it
0: um are you trying to pawn it off to me
1: No, I just, I thought you were like, you seemed legitimately excited about this Cold War spy espionage. Yeah,
0: it's, Uh, it's, well, because it's cool.
1: Yeah. Well, Well,
0: okay, fine, I will. Um, Okay. So, uh, yeah, a couple of agents bust into a hotel room. They find Ralph Ziegler um, on on his face flat, or at least that's how it is in the reenactment. Um, The official story being that he committed suicide by electrocution which is a real weird way to do it. And it gets even weirder when they describe
1: how. I've never heard of anyone committing suicide through electrocution.
0: Well, I'm sure a few people out there have taken a bath with a toaster, but I don't think it's probably a very popular way to go.
1: No, I don't. I, it can't. Doesn't seem very pleasant to me.
0: So, um, fast forward to Ralph's funeral. His his wife and his daughter are there, and um, to his daughter's credit, she gets a little curious. You know, she didn't think her dad was the kind of guy who would just kill himself. Like he wasn't. You know. He wasn't exhibiting any signs of depression or anything like that.
1: She um, suspected a bit of foul
0: play. Yeah, she suspected a involved. little bit of foul play. So she starts looking um, In the reenactment. She's examining his body in an open casket at the funeral, which is odd. But maybe that's how it happened. I don't know. Um, yeah. And she's noticing that there's there's all kinds of sort of uh, really intense bruising on his arms. Um and uh, and 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 the body had been beat up, and it wasn't consistent in a way that went with how it, he was described to have died. So, um, <coughs> so then it's revealed by Unsolved Mysteries that Sigler had been a double agent for the U.S. against the KGB for ten years. Now, listen, if you were saying to yourself, Unsolved Mysteries has not had an author on in a long time to do a thinly veiled <laughs> plug for their book Boy Won't You Be Excited that in fact we have an author um who has uh written a book I believe called Windows or Widows it doesn't matter um so Ralph Sigler's whole job was to uh he he would plant bad he would give the basically he would give the KGB bad blueprints or plans of things that the US military was supposedly developing. And mm-hmm. so they would go basically burn up their resources and time um, building th- weapons that didn't work.
1: Precisely. Uh, yeah.
0: So the so this I just think this is really Oh, it's fun. It's so fun. It's so yeah, fun. My, and
1: I I I, I love spice st- as Cold War spice stuff that just like has a bit of silliness to it, like this. Or, mm-hmm. or, or, it's, I was reading this one. Uh, please feel free to edit this out. But I was mm-hmm. reading this one account of a CIA agent uh, during the Cold War who knew that when a Soviet agent was going to be transporting a large sum of money in a suitcase through an airport. Mm-hmm. So he had the airport information desk page the guy, guy to come to the, you know, whatever office. So the Soviet agent, I guess, obviously worried that, like, they're going to find all this money, hides the briefcase somewhere to go to the office. And the CIA guy comes along and picks it up and takes, <laughs> takes it out of the airport. <laughs>
0: um, and for more uh, Cold War an- antic reenactments, please watch the show The Americans because it's full of that stuff
1: excellent uh so sorry I'll, to sorry to interrupt no but, uh, that's th- this is the whole this thing is such is a us, fun segment
0: yeah the whole thing is us interrupting each other that's the whole people like yeah. the back and forth i think Do they?
2: um
0: i only have two other things written down for this segment there's the words master spy in quotes <laughs> um and then i have i have exclaimed in my notes sue the u.s army
1: okay yes um well, I can help put some uh, context to this. Yeah,
0: why are we suing the US Army?
1: Right. Well, the thing is, is Ralph's career with the as a double agent, and he's working for the FBI. Uh, it, it started, they had him go to the Soviet embassy in uh, Mexico. Mm. And let me tell you, the reenactment of this is so glorious. Because when he's walking into the Soviet embassy... It clearly looks to me like just some sort of really sparsely decorated um, office lobby uh-huh. that that has like they've put a desk and a Soviet flag and a portrait of Lenin up on the wall and have you know thus turned it into the Soviet uh, embassy. It's it's that wonderful bit of minimalistic decorating on unsolved mysteries part that just totally transforms the location. Um,
0: um yeah. There's also, uh, but you know, the Soviets were pretty sparse. Who's to say?
1: That's true. Like I mean, that, it, you know? I guess I guess you make a good point. It literally that's that's all they could afford for their embassy in Mexico. <laughs> Um, uh, there's uh, but,
0: some scenes, too, of uh, a reenactment with a polygraph machine. I don't remember why.
1: Right. Well, you see, the prob- the situation that uh, Siegler ran into was he was spying on the Soviets for the FBI, but the military was not aware of this.
0: Oh, okay. So,
1: so when the military would periodically do, I guess, polygraph tests to make sure that he's not having dealings with the soviets it would come up that he's lying because he is dealing with the soviets but it's in this double agent capacity but he can't tell the them about it and he he assumed the fbi was going to uh you know somehow clear the thing up and i guess they didn't so like the 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 military keeps like pushing him up further and further up the interrogation chain. And that's, you know, that, that coincides to around the time that he allegedly committed suicide. But the th- the sort of little n- hitch up on this is before he committed suicide, he made a phone call to his wife.
0: Who was and, uh, shopping for dresses at the time, I guess. Who was
1: shopping for dresses <laughs> at the time, I believe. And that's where he shouts, you know, loudly, sue the U.S. government and, blah, 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 and he goes on this rant.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And it's interesting because the way they shot this, because if you if you just see that part uh, of, of his performance, you're like, oh, OK, he's he's angry and he's shouting into this phone. And then later on, you see the remainder of that phone call where he's actually in a chair with two KGB agents who uh apparently have been torturing him uh to find out what you know whether he's a double agent and the extent of all of his um deceptions with them mm-hmm. so the there's a premise that his death was not a suicide but was in <laughs> fact uh he was in fact killed by the KGB and par- apparently part of this is the KGB a normal practice of theirs would be to kidnap someone put them through interrogation torture and uh so yeah this is
0: i want to talk about the reenactment of the suicide which they do in some level of detail um it is very complicated it involves a light switch uh one chair stacked on top of another chair um strange. Uh, I mean, basically the way that they're describing him having electrocuted himself is like, it's like suicide by Rube Goldberg machine. It's like <laughs> this th- the toaster had to pop up and then the balloon had to pop and then the ball rolled down and it flipped the switch and then it moved the chair.
1: <laughs> it's so
0: it's so mouse crazy. Trap.
1: It's the craziest game you'll ever see. Uh, yeah, I know you're right. I noticed that this was a very strange setup as well cuz I distinctly wrote down and I have it underlined desk chair on sofa question mark exclamation mark
0: yeah it's so it's so bizarre that i'm you know I'm leaning towards it it being a little too complicated to be believable that he killed himself because <laughs> there's a lot simpler ways simpler and more foolproof ways to do it that don't involve sixteen different steps uh having to go off perfectly in order to to have committed suicide so um, right. so sue the u s army yeah man.
1: Yeah, there's no uh, update,
0: but you can buy the book.
2: Right,
1: <laughs> right. Ralph Sigler. I I guess I didn't catch that one of these guys they are talking to is an author. Uh, oh,
0: they uh, oh they slipped it in real sly, but I noticed. Oh man,
1: mm-hmm. I get. Do you think they get paid by the author to be on there, or is the <laughs> author just getting like free publicity and they don't have to write as much for the segment? Well, let me ask you this: sure. Did you like this reenactment? Um,
0: yeah. I don't know. I just feel like for how interesting the the story was, it it could have been more action packed, but it, it's yeah, it's kind of falls flat, you know. Yeah, and it's you're, pretty you're, short.
1: It's a short segment. You're right. For a Cold War spy thriller segment. I mean, the most action we get from this uh, in the reenactments is a guy yelling into the telephone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: I I well, would have liked... I mean, I mean, I would have liked to have known maybe it wasn't available at the time because, you know, this episode of Unsolved Mysteries is basically coming out right on top of, like, the end of the Soviet Union. So maybe this information hasn't been released yet. But I would have liked to have seen maybe some of the, like, junky garbage the soviets built because of his plans (laughs) let me tell (laughs) you like
1: (laughs) garbage soviet military equipment is always so hilarious to look at and the sheer fact that like we were passing on our own horribly conceived plans onto them Mm -hmm. is just doubly delightful um in fact, if you go to like cracked dot com, they there was the, they had this one article. It was like the five most worthless Soviet p- pieces of Soviet military equipment. Like one was like a huge artillery piece that you could only fire once because it would wreck all the uh, machinery. <laughs> yeah,
0: um, that sounds about right.
1: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Um, yeah, One one additional thing I have in my notes about this, and I have this circled, is 1970s Architect Stack. So I can't remember it, but I'm assuming Robert Stack must have been dressed up like a 1970s architect in this segment. Yeah. Uh, okay, I also have, um, in our first segment about Maria and Ron, I have Farm Country Stack written down. Uh-huh. Because uh, I think they filmed them out in the middle of, uh, like, uh, uh, pasture land or something. And then I noted in the... Uh, oh, in yeah, the hol- here's,
0: here's Country Stack. Yeah, I see him.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then in the Holocaust segment, they had them in some sort of garden with long rectangular ponds mm-hmm. which is the exact same yeah. garden that they used for a segment last week
0: yeah well you know they're
1: not, they're oh i know i know they're they're, they're, they're filming multiple it's, episodes, it's the magic but...
0: of television robbie they're, yeah but they're doing oh, it in bulk for the week right you
2: know. right
0: um oh wait is this architect yeah i mean that is a double-breasted suit <laughs> now that i'm looking at it <laughs>
1: Uh, our next segment is about the night stalker.
0: Yes. Uh, not, no, this, not the not original
1: the... <laughs> night stalker.
0: We're going to talk about Richard Ramirez, who was terrorizing Los Angeles in the summer of 1985.
1: Yeah. This segment was extremely short. Yes. Uh, in which fact, is, I think is it was...
0: unfortunate because it's such an interesting case, but
1: right. Well, <laughs> then of course, na- naturally it's going to be short. Um, yeah. S- uh, the Night Stalker had terrorized people back in the, what, the 1980s? Yes. In Los mm-hmm. Angeles area? Not, mm-hmm. not the original, but our, 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 our Ramirez-era yeah. Night Stalker. Yeah. Um, and this segment goes by really quickly because after explaining who he was and whatnot, mm-hmm. we then immediately jump to uh, Alejandro Espinoza,
2: mm-hmm. who...
1: Uh, is someone who ends up giving the police information yeah, about, yeah.
0: so just a few numbers that I wrote down um, when this was going on a 120 member task force of the LAPD was formed uh, this yeah uh, Ramirez Richard Ramirez was uh, doing a lot of robberies as well as, as rapes um, and I think he may have m- murdered some folks as well so 120 member task force of the LAPD was assigned to tracking down whoever was perpetrating these uh, 18 citizens collected rewards for their information. So the LAPD was offering cash rewards. Um, mm-hmm. So when we get to Alejandro, he's the one tipster that never came forward to collect his reward. Um, he... Uh, they they have the original detectives from the case this is this was so cool they had the original LAPD detectives from the case mm-hmm. in the reenactment and um this guy Alejandro uh he had been running around with Ramirez and he heard Ramirez dropping some hints that he was responsible for these robberies um and they were kind of kind of running in the same circle but Alejandro seemed to be pretty straight like he wasn't a criminal um, And so uh, he went and told the cops and his information was critical to identifying uh, the the Night Stalker. Um, As a result, uh, Ramirez was arrested. Um, But the manner in which um, (laughs) Ramirez uh, is put into custody, I had never heard before. And I was like, go ahead, Angelinos." Alejandro identified who Richard Ramirez was. They put a picture of Ramirez in like every paper in L.A. Okay, this guy's face was plastered everywhere. Yeah. At some point, Richard Ramirez was trying to steal a car and a gang of citizens was like, nah. And they... They did like basically a, a group of just strangers got together and basically did a citizen's arrest until the cops could get there to put him into custody, um, and and that is Los Angeles in a nutshell. Good job, LA. <laughs> it, that that
1: that's that that's what LA is like. LA people do that.
0: Yeah, we if we see trouble, we just get together and we're like, nah nah no i don't know that that's true but the funny thing is we get some street scenes of what is clearly downtown los angeles and it functionally looks no different uh now than it did in 1991 Um, no it looks a lot different but specifically there's just some things i was able to pick out in the background i'm like yep i know what part of la that's in so um hasn't changed a ton um from from back in the day so uh anyway so Alejandro never came forward for his reward now here's where
1: i get confused Mm -hmm. because they mention a wife and children right uh do they they do okay uh
0: now i'm confused
1: yes um and so like He's never come forward to collect this reward. They don't know if he just disappeared or what. Uh, If he's just, I get maybe a really modest guy. Um, So what I'm confused in is, like, did they know his wife and children? Could they track them down? Because, like, I believe that didn't the end credit results say that if his death is ever confirmed his wife or one of his children would become eligible for the cash reward.
2: Mm.
1: So like, did he die and his family just isn't collecting? Is he still alive? Who knows?
0: Yeah. We don't get an update. Alejandro, if you're out there, come get your money.
1: Seriously, dude. Six,
0: six large man. What are you doing?
1: Yeah. That that's enough to like sustain, uh, a podcast for for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: see what you're doing
1: here. <laughs> you know um, what other things you can do to sustain a podcast?
0: Oh, um, well, you could like shamelessly plug in on social media and uh, you shame
1: know, shamelessly. And yeah.
0: uh, give us give us five star reviews on iTunes and. Um, reach out to us on Twitter or Facebook. We go by the handle at reenacted pod. We also have a email address, which is reenacted pod at Gmail. Is that what you meant, Robbie about sustaining the podcast or are you just asking for money at this point?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I guess there really is no realistic way for our podcast to claim the $6,000 reward. Yes. So, but uh, I guess in the meantime, having people, do all the things you just said Mm -hmm. would be the best way to sustain the podcast
0: okay well um you know I think we might have said everything we needed to say unless you have something else to add
1: nope nope Nazis still suck
0: okay Nazis suck and I have a frozen burrito calling my name Ooh. um so maybe we should do do the thing we do at the end of these types of things
1: Right join us next week for another edition bun soul